Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. indoors in English and 11.45 indoors in Spanish. One of uh, the earliest memories of my life was of God healing. One of the earliest memories that I can remember was of God's healing touch. I've shared this story before, but when I was about five years old, uh, my grandparents, my mom's uh, mom and dad, were in a really uh, serious car accident. Some of you in, that have been a part of our church for a long time, you, you know them. Uh, you've gotten to know them a little bit. But they were traveling down the highway, and somebody, somebody came uh, over the median and hit them head-on, going over 50 miles an hour. And they were rear-ended by another vehicle, and uh, they really shouldn't have lived. In fact, Uh, The first responders on the scene thought there was no way that anyone could be alive. Uh, The prognosis wasn't good. My grandfather was in a coma for uh, weeks and weeks and weeks. My grandmother uh, was told that she would never walk again. I remember as a five-year-old boy, we had had moved away from Virginia for a season and were in the process of coming back to the area. And I remember even as a five-year-old boy, these moments these snapshots, these glimpses of God's healing in in my grandparents' life. One story in particular, I remember, I've shared this before, but my grandmother went to an appointment and they had x-rays on her legs and they showed her on the screen where the bones were were hollowed out and and told her emphatically, you will never walk again. There's nothing exceptional about my grandparents. They were pretty normal people, except... They had faith and trust in in God, and they believed that God could heal them. And so in that moment, maybe in defiance, but I think out of faith, my grandmother said to the doctor in the room, you're wrong. (laughs) I will walk again. And whatever he thought in the moment uh, doesn't particularly matter because the story would go uh, several weeks later as people began to pray, my grandmother came back to that same doctor that same appointment as he put up new scans on the screen and he could not explain while bones that were once hollowed out now were filled in. Other people were called into the room to give a second and third opinion. And in that moment, my grandmother testified, God is healing me. I remember as a five-year-old boy where I was sitting as I saw my grandma take her first steps after being told that she would never walk again. You see... Even early on in my childhood, very early age, I I experienced the power of God's healing. I grew up kind of believing and thinking that this was normal. God's healing power in everyday, ordinary people. Welcome back. Welcome back to our series, The Anatomy of a Storm. What is this series about for us? It really is about pausing for a minute in the midst of 2020, in the midst of all that's happening around us, uh, taking a step back to understand what is it that God is doing in this moment? Not just as we try to survive this moment, not just as we long. I mean, some of you are like setting up for Christmas yesterday because you are ready for some hope. You're ready for some good news. You're ready to like wash 2020 off of you and press on and I get it, but maybe even while we're in the storm, 
God has a purpose and a plan and something he wants to teach us as the church. And so today, we're going to understand a little bit more of who God is. Who, who is God? Who is this God that we serve even in the midst of the storm? And the truth is, the truth is you can't read your Bible. You can't understand the truth of God's word without understanding that God is in the business of healing. There's this really fascinating story. We're going to be, in just a few minutes, we're going to be in John chapter 5. That's where we're going to land. It's going to take us a minute to get there. But there's this really cool story in the middle of the Exodus account, early in Scripture, where the children of Israel have been rescued from slavery. God's leading them to this promised land, and he's doing miracle after miracle. But right there in Exodus 15, there's this moment where God says something that's really profound and really powerful to his people. It's in Exodus 15, 26, and he literally says to his people, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, I read that in my, my text, and here on the screen I have it, and you notice that word LORD is, is all caps. And that's, that may just seem to you because the Lord is big and good, and we need to capitalize that. But actually, if you understand that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and translated from Hebrew, you understand that that word LORD, that LORD is, is actually translated Jehovah in Hebrew. And literally, in the Hebrew, it doesn't have this long phrase that says, I am the God, the one who heals you. Literally, in Hebrew, as the Lord speaks this to his children, he is saying, I am Jehovah Rapha. Now, in English, we don't really know what to do. So in English, we translate it, the Lord, the one who heals. But literally, in this moment in Exodus 15, the God of creation, the God who created them, looks down on his people and declares emphatically, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals. You, you see, healing is not something that God does. It is something that God, who, who he is to know him, to know him is to know that he is Jehovah Rapha. He is a God who heals. And so this moment in time is, is so critical in the story of God because it's not God just declaring something that he can do. Like, hey, by the way, children of Israel, I can do healings. I can be a healer. No, no. It's him introducing himself to his people and saying, to know me is to know Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. It's who I am. So it's important. It's important as we would look further into the story of God that as Jesus shows up, it should be significant to us that as Jesus shows up in the gospels, immediately after calling his disciples, what does he do? He begins to heal. He begins to heal. In Matthew 4, it says that he went to all the people. They brought those that were ill with diseases. They were suffering with pain. They were demon-possessed. And Jesus healed them. Jesus didn't just reserve this power, God's son, right? He didn't just reserve this healing ministry and power for himself. In the gospels, it says he gathers his disciples together and he commissions them. He sends them out to go and to cast out demons in Jesus' name. This healing ministry, this healing power wasn't just reserved for Jehovah Rapha, it wasn't just reserved for Jesus, God's son. It was now relinquished on the disciples who were to go and heal in Jesus' name. It didn't just stop, though, because as Jesus would ascend back to heaven at the right hand of the Father, we read in the book of Acts that the church is born. The Spirit of God is unleashed on his people. 
And what happens there in the book of Acts, among many other things, Peter and John and other followers of Jesus, even as Jesus has gone off into heaven, you know what begins to happen? They begin to heal in Jesus' name. The power of the Holy Spirit is upon them and healing happens. It doesn't stop with them. If you read further in your New Testament, even in the book of James, right? The leaders of the church, this is now years after the book of Acts. This is years after the church has been born. But here, even in the early church, they're instructed, the elders of the church are instructed to gather around and anoint with oil and pray for healing in Jesus' name. You can't read the story of God without understanding that our God is in the business of healing. And I want to pause for a moment. I want, to, I want to declare something quite emphatically. I want you to know today that we believe, here, here, at Church of the Nazarene, we believe in a God that heals. That should excite a few of us today. I know, I know it's early and I know we're kind of, right, right? It's good. That's good news. I need some good news. I don't know about you. Maybe you've got enough good news in your life, but, but I need good news today. And I want you to know, yes, even miraculously, even sometimes miraculously, our God heals. That we at Church of the Nazarene, we have 16 statements. They're called our Articles of Faith. You can find those on our website at beaconofhope.org. I would encourage you. If you don't know who we are and what we're about, you just heard about our Discover Church um, opportunity coming up, or you can understand more deeply who we are and what we believe. But one of the 16 articles of faith, one of the 16 tenets of our faith on who we are at the Church of the Nazarene is that we believe in divine healing. We believe God can use science. and med- we, we don't believe those have to be in competition with each other, but we believe emphatically that our God can heal. It's who he is. He's Jehovah Rapha. And to know him is to know a God who heals. That's what we believe in. So today, today, I want you to know this emphatically. If you are in need of healing for any reason in your life, no matter what the cause is, there is great hope for you because of the God that we proclaim. He is our healer. Now, as I say that, I want to address probably an obvious question an obvious question, maybe those of you in the room, maybe watching online as, as we lean in and understand God's word, and maybe you're tracking with me, and maybe you're saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah. However, Adrian, I, I have a question, and your question is this. Why then isn't everyone healed? Why then, if we claim to know and serve and put our faith and trust in Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, then why isn't everyone healed? Because every single one of us, While we have an example of somebody maybe that's been touched, someone that's been miraculously healed, there is no explanation. The doctors didn't know what to say, but we knew what to say. Oh, that was God, his healing work. While we love those stories, each of us maybe has another story of someone. And maybe maybe they weren't healed. In fact, maybe they never experienced God's healing here on this earth. And so while we lean in and talk about who God is, Jehovah Rapha, we would naturally say, well, then why, why isn't everyone healed? If God's power is so great, and if the ministry of Jesus continued on through his disciples and then through his believers, and now even we, we believe his healing power is available to us, then why, why isn't everyone healed? What do you do with that question? I think it's good. It's a good question. And no doubt for some of us, 
uh, doubt begins to creep in and we begin to wonder whether God heals at all and whether he truly is Jehovah Rapha because maybe, just maybe there are examples in our life where we haven't seen God's healing. And so to that question, I turn to John chapter 5 today. I think it's a powerful example of the healing of God, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, but then also of leaning into this tension that we feel, this question of then why? Why aren't all healed? So we're going to begin in John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. This is the word of the Lord for us today. It says this, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. I'm going to pause for a minute and understand this is a, this is a significant place in Jerusalem. This is a significant place that everyone there in town would have known about because this is a pool which they believed. They believed this pool uh, that every now and then the waters would be stirred. And they believed an angel of the Lord would come and stir the waters and that the first one into the waters after they would stir would be healed. So this is a natural place for all those that were paralyzed or sick or experienced a number of different infirmities. They would gather there and one particular man... We know for 38 years, for 38 years, he's been paralyzed. And we don't know for how long, but a good portion of those 38 years, he has come or or gathered or been carried here day after day after day with a community of other believers or non-believers, whoever, that are sick in need of healing as they gather by the pool, hoping, waiting, believing maybe that healing is possible for them. Let's continue reading in verse 6. In verse 6, Jesus saw him lying there. And he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Some translations say, do you want to be healed? Now, we've got to stop for a minute and acknowledge that is a really unusual question, isn't it? I know, maybe you've read these stories before and you just kind of read your Bible and you're like, yeah, Jesus said, but but just pause for a minute and understand that Jesus goes up. There is a great number of people. That's what it says, a great number of people here. And Jesus chooses one man, one man out of the group. And he learns that he's had this condition for a long time and he asks a really puzzling question. This is a puzzling question to ask someone who has been paralyzed for a very long time, isn't it? If there's like a a list of taboo questions, things that you say and don't say to a paralyzed man, this is probably on the don't say list, right? But this is the question Jesus asks, do you want to get well? Jesus, why why would you ask him that? Jesus, why why would you, that's, that's, are you insulting him? Are you patronizing him, right? But just as this question is confusing, and I want to talk about this question for a minute because I think it's important. But just as this question is confusing, so is the man's response. Look at it with me in verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else always goes down ahead of me. The man's response shows that he's discouraged, doesn't it? Shows that he feels hopeless and defeated for 38 years, perhaps. The same routine. The same routine. He had no hope. 
There was no way he was ever going to be the first one in, right? There was always going to be somebody quicker or somebody who had more help or somebody that could slide in ahead of him. So maybe the question struck him as odd. Maybe it threw him off. But isn't it strange, just as it's strange that Jesus asks the question, isn't it strange that the man doesn't just respond and say, yes? <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. He's paralyzed, and, and Jesus, he may not know anything about who Jesus is, but Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to get well? Can't his answer just be, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yes, I want to get well. Yes, I want to be healed. Yes. But, but that's not his response, is it? Instead, his mind is on why he is not well or why he thinks he is not well. Do you want to get well? Instead of saying yes, he goes through all the litany of excuses and reasons of why he is continuing to struggle the way he does. Does that sound familiar to you? Before we read on and continue in the story and just pretend like we're observers in the story, can you enter into the story for a minute and just imagine yourself there and can you ever identify with that? Well, well, Jesus, I, of course I want to get well, but I've, it's so hard and this is challenging and I've tried for so, right? We're so quick at times to tell the God of the universe, Jehovah Rapha, why we think we can't be well. That instead he asks us, do you want to get well? So why did Jesus ask this question? Why did Jesus ask this question? Some scholars believe, and we'll get to the resolution here in a minute because there's a resolution to the story. Some scholars believe truly this man was so discouraged, they question whether he even really wanted to be healed. Was he so discouraged that he had just surrendered that this is his reality? That maybe, maybe as bad as his current reality was, at least it was one he was familiar with. Maybe it was safer to operate according to what he knew. Maybe he had gotten so focused on all the barriers and all the reasons it seemed impossible to him for him to ever experience healing, the obstacles and the challenges. Maybe those had become so overwhelming that he didn't even want the healing that God had to offer. Maybe. See what happens in verse 8. Jesus said to him, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. A ridiculous claim, right? A ridiculous suggestion to a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. But he says, come on, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. There is incredible significance here that Jesus heals. The man's response was one of frustration, one of hopelessness. But Jesus heals anyway. But Jesus heals anyway. But this is what I don't want you to miss. This is what I don't want you to miss. That as Jesus is healing his sickness, Jesus also seeks to heal the man's heart. As he addresses his, his physical infirmity, Jesus is seeking to address something just as, oh, I think it's more important, his spiritual infirmity. I wrote this down. I think this is critical. You see, it's never enough It's never enough from God's perspective to just heal you physically. Do you see? Do you see? Jesus was fully capable, 38 years paralyzed, yet get up and walk, and never, never identifying, 
never challenging the man's internal struggle. His, do you want to get well? Do you have the faith to believe and trust that God can heal you? See, Jesus cares deeply in this moment about the man's faith, a faith that says, yes, God, I do believe. I do want your healing. God, renew my heart and strengthen my hope in you. We live so much by what we can see, and there's an important message here, isn't there? Because what we see is temporary. And while Jesus longs to, and does, he heals. He heals. And he brings relief and restoration to the temporary. Jesus also desires to minister to the eternal because our bodies are fleeting. And even in the physical healing that we experience, one day all of that will pass away. But there's one thing that's much more eternal, and that's the condition of our soul. And our God is indeed Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. But how silly would it be to only address what's happening on the outside without also addressing what's happening within? And that's why if you look further down in the story, verse 14, Jesus seeks this man out again. He seeks the man out again and he tells him emphatically, stop sinning, leave your life of sin. Why would Jesus do that after the man is healed? Because he wants him to know that the condition of his internal life is just as important. No, no, no. It's more important than the condition of his external life. And so Jesus, even in the midst of healing, imagine 38 years, he's never walked, he's prancing around, he's dancing, look at my leg, you know, he's doing all that. And Jesus stops him and says, hey, 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 don't forget. Don't forget what's eternal. Don't forget about the condition within. Don't forget, oh, celebrate and rejoice and dance and do your thing, but don't forget that, that what is eternal is the condition within. See, if God is our healer and to know him as Jehovah Rapha is to know him as healer, why aren't we all healed? We come back to that question, and I'm gonna answer that question by saying to you, I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I, I think it's actually really dangerous sometimes when theologians and pastors and ministers try to definitively answer that question. I think there's a lot of damage that's been done in the name of Jesus by trying to emphatically answer that question with our limited human wisdom because on this side of eternity, I'm just going to tell you, I don't always know why some are healed and some are not. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that question? Well, well, I don't know. I don't know why all are not healed, but let me tell you what I do know today. What I do know is this, that my healing is up to God, but my trust is up to me. My healing is up to God. So, so while I say don't know, it's not some kind of hopeless, like, well, I don't know. No, no, it's, it's declaring emphatically that, that I believe that my healing, my physical healing is up to God, but ultimately my trust is up to me. Ultimately, I can't control what God does. I can't control the journey of healing in my life, whether I experience the divine healing that I am praying for. But do you know what I can do? I can decide, I can declare that my God is able. The same God who raised the dead, the same God who parted the waters of the Old Testament, the same God who healed the blind man and made this lame man walk again, he can do all things. I can declare that emphatically in my life. And you know what else I can decide? I can decide to trust in that God. 
the God that can do all things. It's not a question of can he. I've seen it. I've seen it not just here. I've seen it with my own eyes. He can do it. So the question is, will I trust him? Will I trust him? Because my healing is ultimately up to him. But my trust, well, that's up to me. That's the part that I play. That's the part that I get to decide. I get to decide today, am I going to trust in the Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the God who is from the moment in time has been reconciling his people and performing miracles and healing. I can trust in him or in, in the confusion of the storm in the uncertainty of what's happening around me. When the storm comes and all of my false props have been kicked away, I can try to take things into my own hands. I can, like the paralyzed man, I can begin to tell you why all the reasons I can't be healed. Well, it's just so hard and I've tried for years and all the doctors have said, I can tell you all the reasons today why it's impossible for me to be healed or I can just simply trust and say, God, I believe that you can. And my healing is up to you, but my trust, that's up to me. And today I trust you. I trust you. I trust you that with my next breath, there is not a thing that you couldn't do in my body right now. There is not a pain, a physical ailment in my body that in my next breath, you couldn't take it away. You couldn't restore me. You couldn't heal me. I believe you can. And at the end of the day, God, I trust you that you are God and I am not. That my life is not my own. That my life is not for my glory, but for your glory. And so while I believe and trust that my healing is up to you, I decide today. That trust is up to me, and today I I trust you, God. I trust you. See, the God who loves us and created us, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to just focus on the external. He cares. He cares about our physical needs, but he cares deeply about who our faith is in today, who we are trusting in. How today would you answer that question? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Would your answer today be emphatically, yes, Lord, I trust you. I trust in your healing for my life. However you want it to happen, whatever way you want it to happen, whatever next step, I trust in your plan for whatever my need is today or like the paralyzed man by the pool. Do you want to you talk about all the reasons, all the excuses, all, all, all the reasons in your mind why you've determined that God can't heal you today? Healing is up to God, but trust, it's up to us. Do you trust him? I want to invite you right now, uh, right where you are in your seat, would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Today, we wanted to create some extra time and space to do something that we don't often get to do on a Sunday morning. Often because of of our time constrictions and we've got multiple services and we've got a team working so hard to pull all that off that we need to be kind of efficient and listen and respond, but then go to the next thing. But today, we have intentionally made time and space to spend a moment in the presence of the living God. To, To some of you today, to answer and respond to that question, do you want to be healed? And I don't know what your response to that question is today. But here's what I know to be true. Emphatically, our God is able. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. And today, 
there is nothing in your life. There is no infirmity. There is no sickness that he is not capable of healing. The question is not, can God heal? The question is, do you trust him no matter what? Do you trust him no matter what? So this is what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to pause for a minute. We're going to pause for a minute and just leave time and space because some of you watching online right now, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you, don't rush off to the next thing. Lean in for just a moment with us. If today you're here, you're in the sound of my voice, and there's a physical need in your life, and today, today, you want to put your faith and hope and trust even in the midst of the storm, even though you don't know how this is going to be resolved, and you have no promise of knowing when this is going to end. But today, while you're in the storm, you would say, God, I believe that you can, and I put my full faith and hope and trust in you. If that's you right now, would you have the courage? Would you have the faith to just stand right where you're at? If you're watching online, I don't know what that means for you. Maybe that means you kneel where you're at. Maybe that means that you remove distractions for a minute. And and maybe for those of you watching online, you'd have the courage to just put your name in the chat. And by doing that, you are admitting and confessing, God, I'm putting my faith and hope and trust in you. I'm not trusting in all the obstacles today. I'm not trusting in all the reasons that medically this seems impossible. I'm not trusting in the the other times that I've prayed and it hasn't happened. I'm not trusting in that today. I'm admitting today, God, that, that my healing is up to you and my trust is up to me. So today I trust you. Some of us in the room are standing to our feet and just declaring, God, I trust you today in spite of hurt and pain. Some of us online today, we're we're having the courage because today you're surrounded, you're surrounded by believers. And so some of us today aren't standing, but some of us are gonna be praying for those of you that are. And so even online today, as some of you share your name, there are those gathered with you, worshiping with you right now, but they're gonna begin to pray. They're gonna begin to pray. Maybe today, Maybe today your need is not physical. Maybe there's, there's a deep emotional wound or scar today. Maybe this season of 2020 has brought so much pain and so much anxiety and so much hurt. And today maybe the God of the universe looks into your eyes and say, do you want to get well? If that's you today, would you just have the courage to stand? Maybe there's something deep within a hurt or a pain today. And you want to ask the God who heals to come and move mountains. You want to ask, you want to say emphatically, God, I trust you with this hurt and pain. If that's you and you're watching online, would you just, would you, with courage, would you just, would you just share your name now? Because we're praying right now and we're going to believe and hope and trust that the God that we are praying to can, he is able and we trust him and we trust him our heads bowed and our eyes closed. This is what it says in James chapter five. This is the word of the Lord for us. It says, is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person 
well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crop. Today, today if you're standing, today online, if, if you've written your name down in a posture of trust and faith, we're going to pray now as the church, as the gathered body here in this location or across the valley. We're going to pray. And so if you're standing, you're praying today, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I put my trust in you. I can't control my healing. I can't control the circumstances, but I can control who I put my trust in in the middle of the storm. And so if you're standing right now, you're gonna pray emphatically. But if you're not, would you join me now? Would you join me as a cloud of witnesses to come alongside my brothers and sisters, not physically in this moment, but supporting them in prayer. So church, let's pray. Let's pray, God, Jehovah Rapha, we put our trust in you alone today. We believe that you can do all things, God. It's not just that you used to move mountains, you still can. It's not just that you parted the waters, you still are. It's not just that you healed past tense, you are healing today. And so God, we will not tell you today what you cannot do because we believe that we put our trust in you alone today, that our life is not our own. Our life is not for my glory and my honor and what I want and to please me, that we believe that we can live for you, for your glory. And so today we trust you to get glory from our life. And we believe right now in your healing power, your anointing power, that right now every need represented could be met. Every, every physical infirmity could be healed. Every emotional bondage and scar could be redeemed. At the mention of your name, Jesus, we believe today and we pray and trust for your healing. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us when we lack faith. Forgive us when we're tired of praying. Forgive us when we create the long list of obstacles and all the reasons why you can't. Today, we answer emphatically, yes, Lord, I desire your healing in my life. I desire for you to move mountains. I desire for you to do what only you can. And ultimately, Lord, no matter what, I trust you. No matter what, I will not lean on my own understanding. I will not trust in other things. I trust in you. I trust in your healing plan for my life. I trust in your healing journey. There may be others that you use, God, to bring about healing. There may be other processes that you want to use to bring healing. So be it, Lord, because my healing is in your hands today. And we declare in faith that you are able. And so, Lord, whether we're standing today, whether the posture of our hearts is one crying out in desperation today, or the posture of our hearts is gathering around our brothers and sisters in prayer, we declare that you are Jehovah Rapha and that we trust you. Do what only you can do. 
we love you. And oh God, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's stand to our feet in a moment of worship, in a moment of declaration of God, I trust you. God, I need you. God, my hope is in you alone. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.